Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope y'all doing all right. It's a great day, ain't it? I do want to say this. Fourth uh, of July is coming up, and I, I don't want to miss an opportunity to, uh, and I know that they didn't, you didn't have any part of uh, the 4th of July celebration, actually, of what you did. But I do want to say uh, thank you for all who served in our armed forces. Uh, what a blessing you are to us. Thank you for your service, and thank you for uh, your willingness to go and put your life in harm's way so we can come together and worship the King. Amen? Without having to worry about persecution, without having to worry about being arrested, uh, we get to come here and we get to do it freely because we do live in a blessed country. And I say, God bless the USA. Pray for our country. Pray for those who are uh, in office. Pray that they will do God's will. Pray that they'll do the right thing uh, according to what God wants, not according to what man wants. Amen. We've got guests here. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. What an honor it is for you to be a part of our worship uh, this morning, and we pray that our worship thus far has been in spirit and truth. We are a congregation that strives to do God's will and do it just as He says. Amen. And what a blessing that is to be able to come and not have to worry about worshiping in error, because that's a dangerous place to be in error, isn't it? Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter three. We're going to continue uh, this series on living a life with purpose. Part three is where we're at. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, and we're going to look at the first five verses. Really exciting area of scripture, and we can really, if we'll allow it to, uh, let us grow spiritually in our growth, trying to live a life that has purpose. There's a German commercial and it goes like this. A young woman asks her father how he likes his new iPad that she gave him for his birthday. She said, he says, good. As they went into the kitchen, the, the father, he begins to uh, prepare dinner and they sit down and he starts working. And the young lady watches as the father goes and gets his iPad and lays it on the counter and begins to chop the vegetables on the iPad. Then after he chops all the vegetables on the iPad, he rinses it off and then he puts it in the dishwasher. And then the caption as the commercial ends is, uh, it informs us that no iPads were harmed uh, during the filming of the commercial. You know, that's a, a funny, quick little laugh looking at, uh, and you know, to be honest, not too long ago, I didn't have a cell phone. I probably would have done the same thing. You know, I, I didn't really understand cell phones, uh, but now I'm well uh, tuned in the in the technology era. I'm still learning a little bit, but <clears throat> I, I know the game. But when you think about that commercial, you know, it's funny because uh, what do you think when you see that? And what does that even have to do with living a life 
uh, with purpose, Matt. Well, if we understand what an iPad does, an iPad's just a bigger phone, right? You, you get on it and you look up things. You look at things on YouTube. You do whatever you need to do uh, on it just like you would your phone. It's not used and not shouldn't be used for a cutting board to cut vegetables on, right? But it is. So this very costly item isn't used to fulfill its intended purpose. Now think about that. Or even worse, it's being used uh, as something that's contrary to its purpose. As we think about our lives and we ask the question, am I living a life that has purpose? Are we? Are we doing the things that the Lord wants us to do and by doing them, are we bringing glory and honor to His name? When we think about how special we are, I want you to consider this. Genesis 1.26, God says, we're going to make man in our image according to our likeness. That's pretty important type of creation, isn't it? Something that's in the image of God, something that's in the likeness of God. We are created to be the image of God or the icon or the emoji of God, right? Everybody familiar with the smiley face emoji or the thumbs up emoji, right? We were created to be the emoji of God. What we do, what we say, how we do it, how we interact with people is a direct reflection of God, or should be at least. So when we aren't living like we should, what we've done is we've done just like the iPad, right? We're getting vegetables chopped on top of us. We're not being used for our purpose. You know, we've been looking at the characteristics that we need in order to have a life that is what the Lord wants it to be. And here in, first, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we can uh, find some, some gems. And the beauty about this little passage right here, if you, if you, don't, if you just kind of are reading it and you're reading, you may just pass over it. But this builds on each other. These things build and connect another, this puzzle. It, when you put it together and then you look at it, you see the whole picture. But let's look at it for just a second. Verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. The first thing to consider this morning is Christians must have a prayer life. Now think about that. Matt, I pray, I do that. Well, I want you to think about this and consider this. A serious prayer life. If you had to answer the question, do you spend time, some personal time, in prayer? 
Do you take time out of your day to be alone and spend some time asking God for things, praying for certain concerns that you may have, asking uh, for the prayer from brethren? Are you doing those things in a certain fixed time in your day? Because without that, you can't live a life that has purpose. God has given us the ability as Christians to be able to ask God for things, to come boldly to the throne of grace, and guess what He does? He hears us. Paul asked the brethren to pray for him and his team that he's surrounded with because Paul is focused on the mission. What does he ask? He asks that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. Now, you think about somebody who runs swiftly. They run pretty quick, don't they? And look at what he adds in there. Just as it is with you. You remember in 1 Thessalonians, he brags on the Thessalonians there. That their faith was being an example for all those around. It was abounding forth. People were seeing that Christianity was something special and it was going through the life of the Thessalonians. So here Paul is praying with his mind set on the kingdom, set on the will of God. He prays that they'll uh, pray for the word to swiftly run, to go all around. And the second part of it is that it will be glorified. God will get the credit. God will get the glory in it. You know, so many times Paul asked for prayers for others. He was a man who prayed for everybody. But he was also a man who asked for prayers. Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Sorry about this thing. It may be too tight. Let me loosen it. He says, I beg you, brethren, to pray. I mean, that is direct contact with God, brethren, when we pray to the Lord. And he begs them, he says, pray with me, that you strive together with me in prayers. In Philippians 1.19, he says this, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer." and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That area of Scripture, of Philippians 1, if you have some time uh, this week, read it, verses 19 through 30. Very encouraging uh, area of Scripture. Uh, really good stuff, brethren. But we see Paul, who he's praying for people. He also asks for the prayer of the saints. And I want you to be encouraged by this real quick. Just because you may have been a Christian for many years, just because you've been uh, a child of God and you may be a deacon or an elder or, or a preacher, or you may uh, have uh, been at this congregation for this long of a period of time, that doesn't make your prayer any more important than somebody who has just obeyed the gospel. And all of those things are great. And all of those things are something to be proud of. But none of that matters when it comes to prayers being heard by the Lord. 
God hears all the prayers of the saints. No matter what you are, brand new, old, we are all one in Christ Jesus, right? Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither what? Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul ain't too proud. The man who wrote all these epistles in the New Testament, he wasn't too proud to ask the new brethren, these ones in Thessalonica, to pray for me. Because their prayers are just as powerful. Brethren, we have to be a people about prayer and supplication to the Lord. We need to come to Him. We need to ask Him for things. And I want you to think about this. Too many Christian things that go on, too many Christian works that happen are attempted and carried out by guess whose plans? Human plans. I want you to catch this. Ones that have not been brought before the Lord. A great idea comes up and it never once gets prayed about. We may say we prayed about it, right? Lord, uh, you know my problems. I appreciate it in Jesus' name, amen, right? But I want you to, to listen to this. It's kind of a tongue twister, and I had to read it a couple times, and I hope I don't mess it up because it's really good comment. It's really fancy words that you know I didn't write, but here it is. The weight of success gets put on dynamic personalities of man. And the dependence of success in the work only goes to the methods implemented by humans so many times. Instead of going to the Heavenly Father and letting Him have control of the plan. Bringing Him into the meeting, right? We can talk about things all day. We can have great ideas and that's okay. And that's what God wants us to do. And we need to do it according to the will of God. But if He is not involved, it will not be successful. More often than not, we don't even include Him in the discussion to even get His opinion. It's just an afterthought. We make our minds up and say a quick prayer and that's it. Brethren, to live a life that has purpose, that can't be how we walk. Listen to the blessings that we have as, as children of God. <laughs> Look at this. It's very simple. The Lord is far from the wicked. But He hears the prayer of the righteous. We're talking about God Almighty now. We're not talking about me. We're not talking about Billy, Joe, or, or James. We're not talking about the elders, which I love and I appreciate. We're talking about God, the creator of everything. He hears the prayers of the righteous. So look what Paul does. He understands that in his mind. So what does he say? He says, I want the word to run swiftly. I want people to have the ability to be, hear about this hope that's within me. 
Ask yourself this question. When was the last time that you prayed, and I appreciate Mark's prayer, when you prayed personally for the kingdom to just continue to grow and for people to be able to preach the word and people to obey it? And through that, God will get the glory. But look at the second thing that he says in verse 2. He says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Paul's concerned about the gospel. His focus is on the gospel. But he also understands something else. There's an adversary, right? <laughs> we got an adversary, don't we? Satan and his schemes. Paul knew it very well. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, he says, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. Satan stopped it. Satan did something that distracted it where we didn't get to get over there. Satan is involved in trying to mess up our lives, brethren. If prayer, if we don't take those prayers and those concerns to the Lord, then what we show is we don't really care about our life. And we're not really concerned with living a life with purpose. Why do I say that? Because if we're not praying for Satan to get away from us, if we're not praying for Satan to not be around us, guess where he's going to be? He's going to be around us. And he's going to be messing up some stuff. Paul isn't trying to dodge Satan. He's asking not only uh, himself praying, but he's asking for the other brethren to pray where their help can come from. And it comes from the Lord. See, we got to be a prayerful people. But let me get to the second point, man. I just want to hurry up and I just want to hurry up and get to the other stuff, right? I always want to do that because it's so beautiful. God's word, man, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Why do I pray? Why do I pray to the Lord? Because of verse 3. So Paul prays this and he asks them to pray for him. That he be delivered and, the, and that the gospel will be swiftly. The word of the Lord will go and, and, and people will understand the truth and glorify God. But look at what he says in verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now think about that. The second thing to consider this morning is Christians must know the Lord is faithful. <laughs> Why do I pray to God? Because <laughs> I know He delivers on His promises, don't He? You ever had a prayer request that you sent to God and now you look back and it got answered? I'm just going to call one out right now. I've been praying. Didn't want to do that. I've been praying for Kurt Triplett to get a job and guess what he got? A job. 
in Gallatin. <laughs> I mean, I prayed that prayer, and guess what happened? It got answered. Tell me God ain't faithful. He says, the Lord is faithful. Answer these questions. Did God deliver His people out of Egypt when He made that promise? Mm -hmm. Did God deliver His people to the land promised to them through Abraham? Yeah. Did, did the Lord promise that he would come, that the, that the people would come back from captivity in Babylon and, and set up Jerusalem again? Mm-hmm. Did the Lord promise a Messiah was coming? Yes. Did that Messiah not come and make a way for us to be with the Lord forever and to have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to him? Yes. We all can say with an absolute yes that the Lord is faithful. He's faithful in His promises. He's faithful to deliver what He says He's going to deliver on. Isn't He? Every single time when we look into the Bible, we see this over and over and over. And when we understand that principle, and it sh I should have made another point, but I'm not because I'm going to tie it in. Look at what Paul says down here in, in verse 4. He says, and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. How in the world does Paul have confidence in the Lord? Because he knows God is faithful. Amen? Why do I pray to the Lord? Let me make this connection for you. I have confidence in the Lord because I know He's faithful and I know that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. So then when I offer up my prayer, guess what I get to do? I get to step boldly to Him and say, Lord, I know You can answer a prayer. I know You can. I don't have any doubt in my mind You can answer the prayer. Now, does it immediately happen? No, and that's where the struggle comes, isn't it? I say this prayer and it doesn't happen. Or maybe I say this prayer and it doesn't just go exactly like I need it to, right? So then all of a sudden, God isn't answering my prayers. It isn't our time, is it? And the next point of that is coming, but what we have to understand is that God is faithful. If you want to live a life with purpose, if you want to do the things that are pleasing to God, you have to understand, not only do you have to have a, a powerful prayer life, you have to know that He's faithful. Look at what this psalm says. Your faithfulness, here's another one, endures to all generations. You establish the earth, and guess what? It abides. I don't remember any announcement ever in the news saying... Folks, get ready because the world's about to shift and you're about to flip over. The balance is off on the earth and what's happened is it's spun out of control and now we're moving away from the sun and be aware because now what's going to happen is it's going to be too cold on the earth. Have y'all ever heard anything like that? I've never heard anything like that because guess what? God set it in its place and guess where it stays? In the same spot. That's awesome. That's actual. Why would he bring this verse up? Because you can think about that world, you can think about the earth, and you know it ain't moved none. Ain't nothing happened to the earth. God is a God that is real. He's truthful. 
He don't lie. He's the same. And He wants to bless you over and over and over. But will we step back and look at our lives and say, what am I doing that's not right? What am I doing that's contrary to His Word? And then start applying it to our lives. Because guess what? He's faithful. Look at what 1 John 5, 14-15 says. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that. I'm confident to pray to the Lord because I know He's faithful. I know He's just. I know He can forgive me. I know He can do all of these things, and therefore, as I keep my mind focused on those types of things, it helps me when I face the tough situations. Right? Think about Daniel in the lion's den. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think they weren't struggling with some tough situations? I mean, they faced the fiery furnace and withstood it. Because they knew their God was an awesome God. Amen? Brethren, we serve the same God. And He still is an awesome God. And He reigns from heaven above. With wisdom, power, and love. So when we have the confidence in God, we won't hesitate to do that. all that He tells us. Look at what He says in the context. He says, and we have confidence, verse 4, in the Lord concerning you. Both that you do and will do the things we command you. We talked about it in class. Paul says, the things that I write to you, the things that I say to you are the commandment of the Lord. So what Paul was telling them was the uh, commandments of the Lord. So what he wanted them to do was obey these and he knew that they were going to obey them because of the way that they carried themselves. We understand these points and, 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 and we understand what prayer is and we understand that God is faithful and we understand that uh, as we uh, grow in our understanding of how faithful God is, we have this confidence within us to be able to pursue uh, daily life and uh, the daily routine, the things that we do, because we know whatever we uh, are faced with, if we're uh, doing it this way, then we know that our prayers are being heard and we're asking in the right way. We're doing all these things. But look at what verse 5 says. It says, now may the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and into the patience of Christ. We love Him because He first loved us. The third thing to consider this morning is Christians must let the Lord direct their heart. Now, I want you to just listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is just going to lead your heart 
just by some magical way. How are we directed by the Lord? Right here. He's given us the plan. If we want to be successful, if we want the Lord to direct our heart, then we have to go to the Word. And when we go to the Word, what do we see? That God is faithful. He's always been faithful. And therefore, I have the confidence that I need to be able to be successful in every situation of my life. But think about the two things that he says. As you read God's Word and you start tuning in on your Christianity and making it better and better, guess, look at the things that it says will happen to you. You're gonna, your heart is going to be directed into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. The Lord loves us. Amen? And in turn, we should love the Lord. I love the Lord because of what He's done for me. If nothing else, I know one thing, that my sins have been forgiven, I've been added to His body, and I get to go to heaven one day. Boy, that's about enough, ain't it? <laughs> but the second thing, the Lord was patient with us, so we should be patient with Him, right? Now, wait a minute, that sounds silly. Be patient with God. The Lord's coming back one day, ain't He? Don't y'all want Him to come back? Boy, I'm ready. I say Maranatha, right? Lord, come quick. But guess what? He ain't here yet. He hadn't showed up in a while. But He's coming. So what do I have to do in my mind? Yes, I'm longing for that day, but I have to learn how to wait Patiently. One of the problems and one of the struggles in Thessalonica was they thought Jesus Christ was coming back like next week. So they gave up their jobs. They just quit doing it, right? This is where Paul makes the command, if anyone won't work, neither should he eat. <laughs> I mean, people was just posted up. They was staying at the place, just bumming off everybody. Jesus Christ is coming back, man. But when we look at God's Word and we begin to apply it to our lives, these things start coming reality. But if you never read God's Word and you never dive into the Scriptures, guess what? These things don't become a part of your nature. They don't become you. And you struggle. My prayer life's not what it needs to be, Matt. My confidence in the Lord isn't what it needs to be, Matt. My faithfulness to the Lord isn't what it needs to be, Matt. The only way that we understand, and I'm not saying that you're going to be able to fix all of those things at one time. This is a process that takes absolutely uh, the rest of your life to get. But here's what you have to understand. God gave us this book. He gave us the perfect will from Genesis to Revelation to show us the success that Christ, Christians had and that His people had. And by knowing that, we know that we stay the course. We will be found faithful too. I want us to look at this Psalm 5:11 and be encouraged by it. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. God defends us, brethren. Let those also who love your name be joyful 
in you. When the Lord directs our hearts, it directs it into the love of God. And we love God because we know what He's done for us. He also, it also directs us into the patience, knowing that we can uh, patiently deal with things. Don't pray for patience, right? Isn't that the saying? But the Lord directs you to be able to handle patience. But you do it through His Word. And then you can say like Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and what? And to die is gain. It don't matter where I'm at. It don't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter because everything that I do is for the Lord, and it's for gain, and it's for His glory. I want to close with this verse. And I want to ask you all to do something. I hadn't, done, I hadn't said it in a little bit. But pick five people in this congregation that maybe you just say hey to in passing. Pray for them this week. I saw Kerry Poole's phone and I seen he was looking at something. What were you looking at? He had the actual names of the people that he was praying for. Man, that encouraged me, man. I mean, he had the names on there. And he was praying for them. Pick five people, spend some time, and pray for them. Text them. See how they're doing. See if they need something. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Yes, that's Old Testament. But isn't He the same yesterday, today, and forever? Isn't His truth the same? Doesn't He want the same thing? Yes, we're under a new covenant, absolutely. One based on better promises. But here's the deal. He keeps His covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Boy, I'm thankful that I'm a Christian. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a part of the family of God? What a blessing that is. Maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God. Why wait? Why put it off? Why not receive the blessings that only come in Christ Jesus? Redemption, forgiveness, being added to the body, being able to have the chance to have a relationship and your prayers heard and forgiveness when you mess up. You do it by obedience to the gospel. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to be saved, if you need prayers, if you need to repent of some things that are going on in your life, if you're struggling, whatever you need. But let me say this, please, if you need to become a child of God, don't wait. You, we ain't promised tomorrow. We ain't promised walking out that door. We are not promised a minute it's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.